Welcome back to In Any Event, the show about events for event planners. Brought to you by EventSquid, registration and management software that thinks like you and works like eight of you. I'm your host, Michael Kranitz, along with our producer, Marcella D, who keeps us on the rails from our remote studio in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Marcella, how's the heat? It's cooling down, I'm happy to say. Oh, it's down to 95. It's very pleasant, I'm sure. Today, we will be talking about events within the collegiate space. Yep, there's a planner for that. Our guest is Diana Hackenholtz, and Diana is a certified meeting professional who is Director of Meetings and Education for the Association of Collegiate Conference and Event Directors International, and we'll call them ACE-I for short. For the past 15 years, Diana has been with ACE-I, which boasts more than 1,300 campus professionals who design, market, coordinate, and plan conferences and events on campuses of colleges and universities worldwide. We invited Diana on the show because she brings a unique perspective to the event space, one that she describes as a meeting planner for meeting planners. We're thrilled to have her on the show. Welcome, Diana. Great. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, Michael. People may be tired of hearing it, but the reality of our industry is changing before our very eyes. So give us a bit of background on ACE-I and why it's a bellwether for what's going on in the collegiate event space, especially during COVID-19. Yeah, definitely. I mean, none of us have ever seen anything like the COVID-19 pandemic we've all been experiencing. Um, I've been through a lot of things over the years in my various roles, and this beats them all by a lot, that is for sure. The collegiate conference and events uh, directors that I represent do a variety of activities on their college campuses. Um, They are hosting a lot of internal events such as commencements, convocations, donor dinners, alumni events, homecomings that keep them busy throughout the year. And then in the summer, a good majority of their time is spent in working with internal but also external groups using the available space on campus, be it classrooms or arena, stadium, and bringing in that ancillary revenue to keep the university going as a year-round business, keeping lots of uh, folks employed when the student population goes down quite a bit for summer classes. So this has definitely made it an interesting time for our members, quickly pivoting in the spring to uh, doing virtual ceremonies for the spring graduations, looking at having to, like many of us did, cancel all of their incoming groups for the summer, be it the sports camps or religious conferences or anything along those lines and um, trying to be as much of an asset as possible to their universities and assist in all the new activities that had to start taking place. So do you hear directly from your planners on a regular basis? Is this part of your responsibility? How do you keep your 
ear to the ground for what's going on at these colleges? We do. Once the COVID-19 pandemic hit, we um, instituted a conference call series that is free to all of our members and a very nominal fee to any non-member that want to join in. And they are just quick little conversations with peers on what's happening at their campuses um, and idea sharing, things along those lines, whether it's for commencement plans, how to maintain their partner relationships remotely, um, looking forward to the summer 2021 outlook. So we've had those going on essentially since the end of March. At the beginning, we were doing two topics a week with two different time periods. We have uh, kind of pushed those back to an every other week now, but it's a great way for the members to stay connected with each other and just um, work through those challenges as a group. Also, our continuing offering our education on a monthly basis through our educational forums and um, recording those so anyone that might not be able to attend can still also have the opportunity to receive that education as well. Now, were these meetings precipitated by COVID or did you have that structure in place before? The Zoom discussions definitely were precipitated by COVID. We did have a peer-to-peer conversation program that we did have in place. That was once a month, um, more in the general business area for our members, but we thought it was important to really focus on the challenges and issues that were developing because of the pandemic and offering those, again, complimentary for our members um, just to help everybody out in that way. The educational forums um, that I mentioned, we always did those as well, focused on a single topic as a day and a half in-person event. Um, And we transitioned to those to virtual, of course, as people are unable to travel and um, but still be able to get that education that's so important for everyone uh, looking down to the line to when we start to get back to hopefully a little bit more normalcy. So within this whole COVID environment, what's been the prevailing topic at your meetings? I would say for our members, it's um, becoming an indispensable resource on their campuses. Now that their main job focus of producing events and meetings on uh, campus throughout the year and into the summer has definitely come to a halt in many cases or drastically reduced, helping them come up with ways so they can be reassigned and and find activities where they can still be very useful um, and maintain that office on campus. Okay, so you're saying these offices have gone dark, essentially, and they're looking for alternate things to do to maintain their position? They haven't gone completely dark. I mean, as you well know, when it comes to events, you're planning, especially some of those larger ones, for a year plus. So there is still a lot of activity, whether it's working through the cancellations that had to happen in summer of 2020, but they're still working on 2021, where they have really lessened in their workload is some of those events that would happen on a smaller scale during the school year. In many cases, a lot of that extra space or uh, dedicated meeting space has had to be reallocated for the 
academic year due to the distancing requirements for many classes. Would you say that planners are sort of resigning themselves or are they resilient in your mind, just based on the tenor of the conversations you've participated in? They are very resilient. And in many cases, their skill set has transitioned very well to some of these um, extra activities. A lot of universities have had to utilize local hotels, things like that for isolation housing for their students that might need to go into that kind of format. And, you know, our our members are very skilled in working with the hotels and, and doing things along those lines, setting up food and beverage. So there's been a lot of really good transition for this temporary blip in their lives. And that's interesting that you characterize it as such, and I think it's telling. What do you think the consensus is amongst collegiate planners as to when they can begin hosting live events? And what's the level of confidence in that prediction? Well, I would say it matches a lot that the industry as a whole feels. You know, being on an academic campus, they're uh, first and foremost concerned with the student experience during the academic year. So, like many of us, it, it goes month by month and how the environment looks, it goes state by state in a lot of cases with government restrictions and what's allowed. You know, we, we work through those and the hope many have is that we will have meetings and events back on campus for the 2021 summer season. But again, you know, that can always change as it has been throughout the year with cases of COVID and um, where hotspots happen. Do you think that virtual is an acceptable substitute, I'm going to call it because that's what it is for now, but has it been a viable substitute for live events amongst your community? Yes, it has in many cases. And um, a lot of our members have successfully instituted a lot of virtual programs for their clients and for their universities. Um, But I think with any event, uh, we've all been able to transition to this format and it helps keep everybody connected in a way where we wouldn't be otherwise. But I think everyone looks forward to the day where we can all see each other again in person. Pending that day, do you have a sense of the prevailing technology chosen by your planner group for actually delivering the streaming meeting? Is it Zoom, go to webinar, go to meeting? What Have you noticed anything? Yeah. It is a big variety that my members use. We have so many uh, universities, and in some cases, they had already had certain technology pieces in place that they use campus-wide, even outside of their departments. So Zoom is a very common one I hear from universities, but it's not across the board by any means. I've heard just about every platform that's out there that my members have used at one point or another. So they're moving across the spectrum of offerings. And that, and that's good because there'll always be some deficiency in one software platform versus another. And planners are probably the most adept crowd I've ever seen in my 25 years in software at finding the best solution and drilling in and really picking one that works. 
have you heard instances of your planners doing more on the production side? So maybe going to a local studio or bringing in multiple cameras, let's say, to make the experience appear more professional on the virtual screen. Yes, definitely. I've heard of several members that have joined up with local production companies and really honed those events with um, either the help of a production company or in some cases working with their own IT departments on their campuses and finding a place to kind of create that studio experience. What has been the feedback if you know it, amongst the attendees of the events that are planned by your constituency? Do they work? Do they enjoy them? Or you know? Yes, I, I think it, it does work. I think everyone goes in with the mindset that, you know, unfortunately, some of these events are virtual because there is no other choice and they are still happy to have the option. Many homecomings this year were done in a virtual format because campuses aren't allowing public um, onto campus just to really kind of keep that chance of a COVID outbreak down and not bringing in the public into space where the students are. So I think everybody is willing to roll with those punches right now and um, enjoy the opportunity to at least still do something together as a group. You got to tell me what you do on a virtual homecoming. (laughs) Well, you know, I have heard, I didn't attend any of these events personally, but I spoke to one member that uh, since they couldn't have a parade, they did a shoebox parade. So everyone decorated shoeboxes for their floats and was still able to put that together in a a virtual parade format, which I thought was very creative and a, a lot of fun. So I have this life-size picture of people sort of bouncing a little shoebox from the left side of the screen to the right side. <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs> Again, I didn't see it personally. I was I just was listening in on the concept that they were doing for that parade, but I bet uh, decorating the float was a lot more inexpensive for many of those organizations. <laughs> I'm sure it was since only one person could decorate the float without getting in a room with somebody else. Some things just cannot be replicated on screen, I guess. Now, there's this practical underlying issue, if you will, of student learning online. And I know that's outside the scope of what you do. But I'm wondering if your planners are sensitive to the fact that the students are online for hours and hours a day and how they address that Zoom fatigue, I'll call it, when they're planning their own virtual events? That's a good question. I mean, I, I'm i even challenged with that in producing events um, for my members. Um, everybody is doing meetings through Zoom. They're more and more meetings, it seems, since COVID has hit. And just finding that balance of making sure there's some breaks in between. People need to be able to get up, stretch, stand, and uh, just kind of tear your eyes away from that blue light that you get from all the electronics that have become such a big part of our lives. And this would be a good place for a spot for amber glasses, or 
night mode on your computer because the blue light effect is real. And according to experts, it reduces your production of melatonin after sundown, which is when your body naturally produces melatonin, which goes to your sleep and that goes to your brain function. And since we don't have a sponsor, you heard it first right here from me. So take it for whatever it's worth. Very true. How would you characterize the collegiate world's response to the pandemic in terms of comparing cancellations to postponements to conversions? Give us a sense of where things have shaken out. Pretty much the entire hospitality industry, hotels, convention centers, um, have had to shut down due to the government restrictions of number of people that can meet in a group. So that obviously affected our members um, just as it did any hotel or conference center. And they rose to the challenge as many of my partners have that I've worked with in understanding this is something completely out of control and you know, working together with clients to move meetings as necessary and just keep those conversations open and honest about what the future is looking like as uh, states decide to reopen up or pull back some on some of their reopening procedures that have already happened. I'd be interested to know if you've gotten any feedback from your constituents in either Texas, Florida, or Arizona on how they feel their state is addressing it and whether or not the state's laxness in policies is actually extending the painful period where we cannot safely gather. Um, I haven't heard directly. Um, Many of the universities, even in the states that have opened up a little bit more, have already made that commitment for the fall semester to keep it, you know, a student-focused environment on those campuses and not to bring in the outside public. So, um, you know, again, a big factor in that is the space available when you have to start um, doing distancing and not being able to have as many people in a classroom as it is. And I imagine by now our audience is sick of hearing about COVID. So I want to pivot over to your annual conference, which I know you had to postpone because of COVID. I think it was back in March, wasn't it? Scheduled to occur in March? It was. We were at the end of March in 2020, and we were kind of one of those first groups. And when I say first, I know it was a lot of events out there um, that had to quickly make some changes and um, make that decision to unfortunately cancel the annual conference as we were probably about three or four weeks out when that became painfully aware that it just was not the right thing to do for the safety of our attendees and and the staff um, to hold that event. But that is literally when everything was changing, it seemed, on an hourly basis. (laughs) Now, when you canceled that, before you canceled that, you had an annual conference for all of your planner constituents, all of your members, including your corporate members. Let's talk about that event in particular, because most of your attendees are planners, right? And (laughs) they're going to look very critically on how that event was run. Can you describe 
the format of the event and any elements that might be different or particularly interesting as far as a member conference would go? Yeah, our annual conference is um, essentially a three-day event. And we try to keep a good mix of that networking that is so important to anybody, um, any industry out there to talk with your peers, find out what they're doing, give them ample opportunities to meet with our corporate members and sponsors who provide those all important products and services that they need to be successful in their business while providing a, a good range of education for all aspects of our membership, whether it's for the more event-focused folks or those that deal more heavily with housing or, or student engagement. And obviously networking is the primary reason why planners will attend. From the attendee to vendor perspective, what types of exhibitors or vendors would come to that show and what are your planners looking for when they go? Uh, yeah, our um, corporate members provide a variety of products and services. Anything from um, all the logoed swag that conferences give out to their attendees. Um, they're always looking to purchase those items. Various software platforms, um, reservation platforms, linens, food and beverage partners. Many campuses do outsource with a company to provide that kind of catering service um, and don't necessarily do it in-house, though some do. And in that regard, is there anything special that you do to encourage engagement between and amongst planners and the exhibitors? We do. We have tried to um, give a variety of options to what's more comfortable for our attendees in those uh, interactions. We do have a, a traditional expo piece, which is your standard booth that folks will walk to, but then we also offer an appointment-based trade show the next day. So those that um, really want to get more into the nitty-gritty with one of our uh, wonderful corporate sponsors, they have that dedicated time to be able to do that and maybe get some business done while they're also enjoying their time with their peers. Now, on the appointment-based meetings, how does that selection go? Does each party have a say in who they meet with, like a dating app, or is it one party selecting and just scheduling? Yep, it is um, our corporate members that will set up their appointment portals and our attendees have the chance to, you know, reach out to them or vice versa to schedule those one-on-one -on -one, uh, discussions. Which do you think is better, expo layout and format or the appointments? I think both have value, which is why we've gone to that format. Um, I think, you know, booths are, are a great way for people to get that initial exposure, especially if they don't have a a need at that exact moment, but a good way to get that general awareness of what is available. And then of course the appointments are great when, you know, you know, you need to make a decision in six months time or whatever the case may be on a new software system or on a new catering 
option and you have that time to be able to, you know, sit down and have those great conversations um, conveniently while you're already at a conference. And do you think those things can be effectively replicated in a virtual environment? I think they can, yes. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be different challenges on a virtual environment, but um, I think, you know, there's some great opportunity though too, where on a virtual environment, things, you know, are available longer in some cases. So you don't have just, you know, three days to try to get everything done that you need to get done. So that's kind of one one benefit maybe of the virtual environment from in-person, but, you know, sometimes people are a little bit more shy about being on video. So that can be a challenge, I would think. (laughs) I would agree with you. In my mind, I see the one-on-one appointments as lending themselves more favorably toward the virtual environment than a standard expo booth kind of setup. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Just the natural feeling of, you know, walking by a booth when you're in person in a traditional trade show format you know, if if someone's really busy at that time, you know, you can always swing back around and not having done one or too many, I should say, yet virtually, I think that's kind of where maybe the challenge may lie on a trying to do a traditional setup. What would be the one thing that you would say to your constituents, if they were all listening at once, the biggest message you would want to convey to them this year in 2020? I would say the biggest message is to keep hanging in there. I think being a good partner, keeping open and honest communication with clients, um, coworkers, staff, um, campus partners is um, going to create the best goodwill and be what gets business transitioned back smoother. I like that advice. And I'm sure that many of those listening to the podcast will be members of your constituency, and I'm sure they're heartened to hear that. Today's guest, Diane Hackenholtz from Aced Eye. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed being here. Hey, quick note for our Collegiate Planner listeners. There are a few changes that have occurred since this podcast was recorded. The surge in COVID-19 cases in recent weeks has prompted a change in plans for Aced Eye's 41st annual conference. Rather than cancel the conference, it will now be offered as a virtual event for 2021. Dates and other details will be announced soon. Also, for planners who are on the lookout to earn CMP or CCEP credits in 2020, you still have time to register to attend Aced Eye's Event Technology virtual education forum. It'll be on Thursday, November 19th. I'll be speaking and several other speakers will be giving insights on event tech related topics. If you're interested, you have up until the 19th to register online. Just head over to acedi.org. That's A-C-C-E-D hyphen I.org to register and to keep up to date on their annual conference. In Any Event is brought to you by EventSquid. If you're running a conference, meeting, training, or any other type of event, visit eventsquid.com to learn about how our software can help you manage everything from 
registration to promotion and virtual event organization. EventSquid thinks like you, works like eight of you. Also, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and let your planner colleagues know what the new squids on the block are doing. If you know of a guest we should have, please visit eventsquid.com and click the podcast menu item for more information. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. We're planning on it.